Welcome to the third episode of The B-Sides, our magazine of ideas and conversation. I'm your host, Bilal Qureshi, and my co-host is... Anoushe! Anoushe Hussain of AnoucheSpoint.com. <laughs> Anoushe, welcome back. Welcome to us. Yeah, we've been gone for a little bit, and... Uh, it hasn't been that long, Bilal. He's being so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but our most recent episode that you may have heard before we get into our topics of today was about the investigation into the UVA rape story. And very quickly, I just want to say that we need to acknowledge that after we taped that conversation, Rolling Stone came under a lot of fire from various reporters who were, who were poking holes in the story that they had written about mm-hmm. UVA. And, and what happened? Uh, what happened was the story completely fell apart, and then Rolling Stone ended up throwing their source, quote-unquote this woman named Jackie, under the bus. And then, long story short, the story was actually sent to the Columbia School of Journalism for review, which came back basically saying this was a piece of crap. But unfortunately, a terrible work of journalism actually put back the sexual assault survivor movement, I think, back a good 30 years. So it was just all around terrible for everybody. And I, and I think, you know, Anusha, you and I talked about this article a lot when we were, were last together. And I, and I feel like we also have to bear responsibility for the fact that all of us bought into what was a very gripping and very yeah. powerful narrative. And Rolling Stone had been very good at making this article viral. It was everywhere exactly. in social media. And I think it just raises a lot of flags about the media industry in general, how journalism works, oh, and totally. how journalists tell their stories. Oh, especially in this day and age. It also gives a lot of focus on, and people really aren't talking about this, but it puts the spotlight on the pressures of having a viral story. That being said, the editors I work with, I mean, we go through so many drafts. I can't believe not a single editor at Rolling Stone didn't say, did you talk to the other side? I mean, Journalism 101. Well, you know, while we're on the topic of journalism, let's begin today's episode of B-Sides with a story that has been everywhere in the media this week. And that's the story of what's been happening in Baltimore. This is the violence and police crackdown on a major city less than 30, 40 miles from here in Washington. And it has been the scene of international attention because of the level of violence and and media scrutiny. And so let's listen to a little bit of what's been happening in Baltimore this week. Because I want you, I want you and Fox News to get out of Baltimore City because you're not here reporting about the, bo- the boarded up homes and the homeless people under MLK. You're not reporting about the poverty levels up and down North Avenue, but you're here for the black riots that happened. You're not here, you're not here for the death of Freddie Gray. You're here for the story. No, so what we're hearing there is not only just the frustration that these people who live in Baltimore feel about how they've been neglected, how they've been systematically ignored, but a real critique of the way the media covers black America. Yeah, I mean, I think there's kind of two two sides to this story, but what we're seeing a consistent theme of, you know, from Eric Garner to what's happening in Baltimore now is that I feel like we're, we're experiencing a new wave in the civil rights movement. And yes, it's all over the media, but if you really analyze the coverage, there's such a communication lapse between white and black America. And I feel like you and I kind of have this unique perspective because we're brown-ish. So it's kind of like, you know, how W. Du Bois always talked about the veil, you know, and how you kind of have this like dual experience of being able to be black, but also see what it's like to be white. And I feel like in the mainstream media, I mean, really renowned anchors have exposed their lack of understanding on air. They just don't get why these people are angry. And this kind of thug culture and criminal behavior approach has been consistent. And I have, I think we're missing, no one's asking why they're so angry. And I think ultimately it is about such an extreme and systematic inequality. 
And I don't think people want to solve it. And I also think that what you just said about kind of having this double consciousness that we have as people who are neither black nor white. I mean, I've felt just going up here that there are these two very different conversations that go on in this country every day. Two parallel lives in a lot of ways, two cultures. I mean, we live in a bicultural society in many ways. And I think for many people who have to go back and forth between them, they learn how to navigate, they learn how to be both. But these two communities, I don't want to speak in essentialist terms of a white and a black America, but there kind of is. There definitely is. And I think that being black in this country is probably one of the most challenging things that could happen. I mean, I just think about... Look at that mom that was beating her son, you know, went and plucked out her son from the riot, started beating him on air. Let's listen to a little bit of what happened, which was this mother basically saw her son rioting and basically goes and smacks him Just on camera on to camera. tell him, you got to go home. What are you doing? Get the f*** out of here. Get over here now. Did you hear what I said? The video went viral, but I think it went viral for all the wrong reasons. I think people are getting, you think it's entertainment seeing this black woman, you know, it's, it's It feeds into the stereotype of this angry black woman. But if you hear her interview, she said she didn't want her son to become another Freddie Gray. She was so worried about police brutality. I mean, her son could have wound up dead. You know, on on what we're talking about, I have to say, in terms of the relationship with the police, let's think about ourselves as South Asian Americans. You know, we do have a very different relationship with the police. I wonder if it has to do with coming from immigrant families where you're just basically told... To be so polite. And to be as sort of, you know, I think cognizant of your place, oh, your totally. inferiority, ultimately. We are so subservient. I, I do feel like I am I have not had a personal bad encounter with a police officer, but it does make me think that one of the things that we're really struggling with is this empathy gap. Do we really know what it's like to be a young black person in this country? No, it must be terrifying. And what the relationship with the police is like for them. No, I think we can try to connect and we can understand that it must be terrifying, but we clearly don't get it. I mean, if you act up and you're black, there's going to be consequences that just wouldn't happen if... I mean, let's talk about the UVA corner beating. Remember when you and I were first talking about it and those two... Let's just rewind a little bit. There was a young... African-American student at UVA who basically was pinned to the ground, his head bleeding. By, by ABC agents. By ABC know. police officers undercover. And of and, age. He was, and, you know, 21. And he's screaming, you know, I go to UVA, I go to UVA. And yet he was being, you know, assaulted and, and, and beaten. His head, like, cracked open. He was bleeding all over the corner. And these two white girls that really struck Bilal and I, when we were watching the video footage, just kind of you know, laughed it off and just continued walking. I mean, there was no outrage. Well, I guess the thing is, like, if something happens to you and you are a person from a community of privilege, and that can include us, by the way, because we yeah. don't we don't get targeted that way, I don't feel, by the I just feel like if I was there, I would have said something. But we do have this feeling that if something bad happens to us, we can call the cops. I don't yeah. know what it's like. And I guess I understand now, based on what's been happening, that if you're a black person, you do not feel in this country that the police is there to help you if you have a problem. Clearly, you don't. And clearly, you have a right not to. I mean, look, look at what's happening. You know, Anusha, a lot of what we're saying about the United States is is critical and difficult. But I want to just take a moment before we end this episode of The B-Sides to pay tribute to someone who fought for space and who lost their life in that process. Um, It was a woman named Sabine Mahmood. She was from Karachi, Pakistan. And exactly almost a year ago, she came to visit Washington. And she had been a great fan of 
public discussion, of media, of exchanging ideas, and she owned a wonderful small bookshop in Karachi called The Second Floor. In order to feel idealistic and productive in an environment like this, you have to create some sort of buffer. You have to protect yourself from the, the doom and the gloom and the newspapers and, and television and, and that onslaught, that relentless onslaught of bad news because it can get anyone down. And I feel what we've done here at the second floor is create that island. Sometimes it just feels fragile and ridiculous. But then the next day you think, okay, at least this exists, it's real. And maybe, you know, those are the only, that, that is the respite that we need from the violence and the anguish sometimes that you, that, you know, you, you can't help but feel. And, um, and that's Sabine Mahmood who had this space and had just organized a talk. Um, and she died for it. She, she left the talk and space. she was murdered. Um, yeah. In her car alongside her mother. I mean, just to give you some perspective, I mean, I just came back from Bangladesh just a few days ago and the significance of these spaces is invaluable. And although we're critiquing everything that's happening in America, the space that we get to have these discussions and the security that we have to have them is just can't. It's, it's priceless. It's something to be really grateful for. I mean, that's what makes America great. I, I want to bring up with Sabine's assassination something that happened to me when I was in Pakistan. I was working at, at one point as a copywriter for an English language newspaper, and I'd only been there for a little bit. I was 22. I was super inspired to get to go back after college. And after a few weeks of working there, I'm not sure how somebody got wind of this, but on a drive home one night with my driver, these masked gunmen followed us on a motorcycle. And, no way. And basically, I was held at gunpoint. My, what? My driver was beaten, and... And it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my of my adult life. But I will say what was the most scary thing about it was, who were they? How did they know where yeah. we were going? Why did they know that we would you know I had things yeah. and I, they, I was followed clearly somewhere? Yeah. And the thing that's so scary is the lawlessness of ways but in there's which There's no security. It's completely lawless. There's no law and order. You know, my parents have been saying this for so long, but it's amazing as an adult to see it. I was actually, I always had this guilt about leaving Bangladesh behind, but you just can't raise a kid there. There's no security. So basic security is one thing, but then I think what we take for granted is the space to express ideas. Yeah. And for someone like Sabine, who lived in Pakistan, where it's so difficult, and yet still to be brave every day. And she knew it. You know, what is that quote that I read that she said, that fear is just a line in your head, and you know, when her time comes, you know, she was, she was so fearless about it. Everyone gets mugged and looted pretty regularly. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Uh, people don't feel safe. Um, I have a very cavalier attitude um, to fear, so maybe, I, you know, I just, I don't care. Uh, I just feel when <laughs> the time comes, the time will come, and so I don't, I drive around, I, I go where I want, I walk on the streets, I grew up playing cricket on the streets, but that's not most people. That's just so sad, such a loss. I really hope that the next generation of Pakistanis, that, that Pakistani youth, the young Pakistanis will really carry on her legacy by, by being brave and going forth with their work. I mean, they're really, before I learned about her, I kind of thought that Pakistan was a hopeless case, but I, I hope her spirit will, will continue to soar. 
Well, Sabine, um, I want to just share with you something that I learned when she was here. Um, she was really excited to learn more about public radio and about radio in general because she loved radio and she was a total uh -huh. nerd. And she um, told, emailed me after she went Aww. back to Karachi that she had been working with some friends on a very, very DIY podcast project. <laughs> and um, she sent me links to three of those episodes. No it never kind of, I don't think, materialized into a, a regular thing, but, but I've kind of put together a couple of those excerpts of, of her podcast with her friends. No um, and I wanted to just share some of what, you know, just the kind of curiosity she had in her personality. What is your good name? So I'm Sabine. So today we're going to kick off the show and talk about Edward Snowden, the NSA and prison. So I, I, I you know, I, I really do want to dedicate this episode of the B-Sides to Sabine Mahmood and, and to the work that she did and to the legacy that she left behind because so many people in Pakistan and around the world have been paying tribute to her because of yeah. what she created in a country that has made expressing yourself very difficult. It's made it dangerous. And I think that ties into all the other stories that we were talking about as well. Ultimately, at the end of the day, people want freedom of expression. That's what it really is about. Hmm. Well, thank you again, Anusha, for um, another episode of The B-Sides. Um, we took a long break before this one, and we hope to be back soon with another conversation. Anusha, thanks again. Thank you so much. Guys, if you want to keep up with us in the meantime, follow us on social media. Yeah. Thanks, Anusha. See you on the flip side, B. Bye.